0: This is your show host uh, Jean-Ru from Mine Warp. I'm an executive with uh, MinorP, as you uh, probably know by now. Today in the studio we have Mike Woodle. Many of you probably know Mike very well. Welcome Mike. Uh, Mike, can you introduce yourself uh, to the audience please?
1: Sure. I'm a mining engineer. I graduated in Australia. I was English born, Australian bred. And I worked around Australia for a year, wanted to travel, so I came to South Africa for two years, and that was in 1975, (laughs) so I'm still here. (laughs) Uh, I've got 25 years of production and projects across a range of base and precious metals, but predominantly the South African gold mining context. I joined GMSI from inside Anglo Gold Ashanti uh, shortly after it was formed. Uh, It later became MineRP, so I've been here just over 21 years now.
0: Sure. Right from the beginning, Mike.
1: I watched it being formed. (laughs) So since I joined MineRP, I've had lots of mainly client facing roles. I've done pretty much everything in IT except coding. And um, one thing we found is that once a client has taken a technical decision, the rest is all about the people. So we spend a great deal of our time um, helping people make the changes necessary to adopt Uh the technologies. But one of the highlights I think during the period in terms of trying to standardize the way we approach things was a Gartner conference held in 2007 where they highlighted the need for standard mining models. Fortunately, the Open Groups Mining Forum, the EMMMV, was facilitated in Johannesburg on the back of that conference. So we contributed our existing process models and helped develop the standard process and capability models Which have been available now since about 2010-2012.
0: And there were many people across the industry that you worked with over there?
1: We had people on three continents from geologists to metallurgists uh, with extremely good facilitation. Uh, They allowed us to argue with each other once a month for (laughs) two years uh, to make that process model.
0: Anybody that you want to thank in that process that uh, that's been standing out for you there? Uh,
1: Serena Fuljun at the time was the facilitator, she did an outstanding job for us. Excellent. And your title now might not be Mike? Uh, now they call me Director of Mining Standards. But uh, essentially, I spend most of my time trying to explain mining to miners and non-miners amongst our clients, our employees, and more recently, our ecosystem of partners.
0: And this is the magic uh, that we are creating because we are breaking down silos, even to silos of people in mining that are not really involved in mining.
1: Uh, the process model does exactly that. If you can't understand the business as a process, you will stay locked in a silo. And the mining industry is big enough to make a career out of silos.
0: And Mike, you are involved in the SIMM as well, uh, for those that don't know what it stands for.
1: Yes, and lots of spare time that I have the (laughs) Southern African Institute of Mining and Metallurgy. I've been a member for quite some time. Um, last year, I was appointed as Honorary Life Fellow. Oh. As one wag put it, I've been around long enough to get a lifetime award. <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of time with them uh, on local and international conference committees. And there is a spillover into mining school lectures and curriculum definition.
0: So, Mike, you've been plowing back for a long time.
1: Uh, we have been fairly diligent, although it is a spare time activity. Ah, okay. uh, You have to make the time to do these things.
0: Mike, uh, today we are talking about the might not be information framework. Let's start off shortly by saying what is it.
1: Well, it came about because uh, we have a, an enormous capacity to build a mess in the information management area, especially now that we can do things faster, much faster. <laughs> and the actually the e triple mv forum tried to tackle this topic. But it quickly got bogged down in discussions about uh, entities and attributes which I'll come to a little later. Have we said what EMMV stands for? So it's the Exploration Mining Metals and Minerals Vertical. It was the mining forum of the Open Group umbrella.
0: I see. So it's about creating a, a order from chaos.
1: Totally. We have a colleague here, Yaku Martens, I call him a data fiend, he spends <laughs> his life Uh, locked away in the data and trying to make sense of it and together with his data exposure and my mining exposure we tried to make some sense of it all.
0: The uh, models that you've presented to us many times um, and on projects talks about stuff and things and uh, this is the standard language that we are using. This was really funny to me as a a ex-data practitioner. Why did you call it stuff and things and not something that IT people understand?
1: Well, it had to do with that chaos, uh, and it was all to do with mining information. And we tackled it initially from an IT architectural perspective, and words like entity and attribute uh, were on the table very early. I walked out of a meeting where two IT architects were arguing amongst themselves about what the words entity and attribute all meant. So Yako and I actually stayed away from those and we talked about stuff and things for several months. Uh, what stuff do we need to know about, what things, was the starting point of our conversation. Uh-huh. And typically it's messy in the detail, so by way of trying to forge some structure to it, uh, we came up with just six categories that will consume all of the mining information. Okay. First of all, we put everything that is a document. If you can say file, print, it's a document. Just put it in a box all by itself. Okay. And it really does clear the landscape. Then everything to do with people goes into another box. We thought we'd have a lot of information in that, but really the detail of people information is kept in HR systems somewhere. What we really need from a mine operating perspective is to understand how people are grouped together in teams or crews that you can allocate work to. Okay. And so we really very quickly honed in on trying to just understand the mining structure. So then with all that out of the way, we started with what we call in the natural environment, and that's all the information you have up until the time the miner gets there. Okay. And it includes everything geological. And we still talk about things here. Still talk about things and stuff. Okay. Then in the built environment, that's all the things that the engineers get up to, including making all the holes in the ground. Okay. The next box we had was available means, and those are the things that people need to do their job. Right. Uh, by fortunate happenstance, we arrived at the same groupings as the ISA 95 logic, which comes from the manufacturing environment.
0: Okay. Which now is getting captured in mining.
1: It is. It's not a copy and paste. But there are people trying to uh, tinker with that structure that will accommodate the mining requirements. Okay. And finally, we had a box called product. And we've defined various products along the mining value chain and incorporating the need for resource and reserve reporting logic, which comes along with your listing as a mining company. Okay, so men- mention the names of the six things again, please. Okay, so we've got documents, yeah. people, the natural environment, the built environment, available means, and product. Right. So that getting to those six was quite a breakthrough. It really did help to clarify the landscape. And you have tested
0: it over and over again. Oh, there are times. no other categories possible.
1: No other categories necessary. Necessary. Okay. Yep. Because we're driving simplification. Totally. Right. So then we have to talk about well, what do we want to know about these things? that comes in the form of attributes um whether you're an it architect or not that is the correct term and we've got 15 clusters of attributes but importantly four of them are mandatory for everything you want information about you need a name you need an id which a computer will give you okay right. you need something to do with time be it a timestamp or a mining cycle or a calendar period yeah. And then, really importantly and usefully, is to know responsibility. Who in the mining structure needs this information? Okay. That helps to filter out um, a lot of the mess. Right. So that covers all the things that we can talk to. uh, But then we've also got what we call transactions or tasks and events. Yeah. Now, tasks are all the mining activities at, uh, at various levels of detail, which will appear in a mining schedule. And events are those things which interrupt the tasks during execution. Okay. The logic being the bigger the impact of the event, the more information you need. Right. And all of these have been listed and aligned to the EMMV model. Okay.
0: So now we know what the uh, information framework is. Why does mine not be and I almost want to say in brackets um, mining clients on a digital transformation journey? need an information framework?
1: The starting point is the capacity to build bigger, faster messes. Uh, The technology at our disposal is overtaking our ability to keep pace with the information it can produce. We have to look at integrating across the entire value chain, and there are two components to that. There's a vertical component, which is within the technical silos, and then there's a horizontal integration, across the two very separate domains of mining technology or sorry of mining technical and then the commercial domain dominated by erp
0: but there are others as well
1: there are others but they are the two main ones the logic however remains the same there's a vertical integration and a horizontal integration okay now we've already said that mining structures are dominated by technical silos and people make careers out of them um but the, we have to cross those silos. Even if you have an environment where typically people in different silos don't normally talk to each other, understanding the business as a process enables you to bridge that gap and, and force the conversation.
0: And why not his role in this?
1: Our understanding of the technical domain is our birthright. Yep. And we have reached the point where we can... Pull together all of the mining technical information, translate it so that it now becomes sensible to the commercial domain. Okay. Effectively, what we're doing is enabling the ability to translate mining actions into commercial transactions.
0: And we hold uh, two patents, and you've played a key role there, uh, uh, Mike.
1: Yeah, that's that's another job and a half. <laughs> if you want something that takes a long time, try putting patents, patents together.
0: together. Yeah. Uh, but and we, have,
1: we do have two. The one is focused on the inventory management of your resource and reserve and the other on that ability to translate into commercial.
0: Okay, and, w- and where do we stand with those patents, Mike? I know it's a constant battle that you've been fighting since what, 2013?
1: Somewhere, yeah, I must go that far back. Yeah. Uh, we have applied for patent protection in several different domains around the world. Um, some of them have come to fruition already, some are still in process. Um, but we already have two patents to our belt. Excellent. Uh, One of the other things that we found, though, because we can now produce information much faster because of the technologies available, uh, and we want to head to an automated world, so it's not going to get any slower, we have run out of time for interpreting and translating between silos and offering silos the opportunity to manipulate the data. Mm -hmm. That must disappear if we want to successfully manage the information coming our way. And then further into the future, the the, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning, they're now serious topics of conversation Mm -hmm. in the mining game. But if we can't stabilize the data and the information patterns for these approaches to use, we're just going to build ever more sophisticated messes. Okay. So
0: that covers why MyNOPI and clients need information framework. Let's go into a little bit more detail, Mike. What does MyNOPI do with the information
1: framework? And what can clients do with it? Okay. Because of the time we've spent putting it together and largely because it is a structured framework, uh, we found we can now tap into it by asking just three simple questions. Firstly, what thing is it? that you want information about and giving, you know, some identity to that. The second thing then is asking what type of thing is it? Mm -hmm. Because is it an information entity of which we have four kinds or is it a task or an event? Mm -hmm. If I know the type of thing, I already have a good idea of what it is I want to know about it. And the third thing is to ask who is responsible for that thing. So knowing that discipline pinpoints relevant details and it helps to prevent information overload. By example, I have a truck. It carries huge amounts of data along with however many tons of rock. Yep. We need to differentiate between the availability, which is an engineering responsibility, and the utilization, which is a minor responsibility. Yep. Neither of those two need all the information. Now, fortunately, the mining industry is quite specific when it comes to allocating areas of responsibility. They're often legally defined. And overlaps and gaps are dealt with equally harshly. So it makes allocating information very well defined as well. Okay. So
0: into a little bit more further detail about what exactly does Minopi do with the framework?
1: Uh, We're using it uh, in the context of building our products. We have to relate the mining discipline structure to the information categories. Um, Our projects, right from day one, we have an opportunity to delve into a client's mess with some kind of structure under our belt when we get there. Okay. If we know the reporting requirements, for example, we can reverse engineer the underlying terms in the framework.
0: And we can do it fast because we have the information framework.
1: Any normal routine operational report can be reverse engineered to the underlying terms in a matter of three to five hours. Okay. Right, and then configuration of the project itself, of the solutions? Sure, Uh, we have to bear in mind that different mining methods will need different information, but based on understanding mining as a process and understanding the client's context, we can pre-configure large portion of the information needs. Okay, and then um,
0: uh, the driving of the digital transformation journey. Surely there are some value add uh, that we can provide that journey with the
1: information framework? Sure. Look, as a miner, I'm still quite convinced that computers are dumb. <laughs> okay? They add noughts and ones really, really quickly, <laughs> but people aren't interested in those noughts and ones. Yep. They need the relevant information based on their KRA's KRIs. Okay. Uh, what I would like to put in at this stage is just a reference to fees spatial database and making information visible. Yep. Miners walk around with pictures of their operations in their heads. Go to any operational office, you find the wall is covered with diagrams, cross-sections, plans. So using modern technology and showing them their environment in 3D, the information leaps out of the screen. Being able to get to the visibility requires a structured approach. The information framework allows us
0: to do that. And we've seen that further out after an implementation let's let's say it's year two three four there's also value to be added from the information framework we've seen that it drives simplification as well as improves our ability to drive analytics can you give me some examples of both of these let's start with uh, the simplification example
1: okay um once you've done an implementation um because of the nature of information management the more I know, the more I want to know. So, a client is always going to want to be adding to his information uh, context. Yep. So, using the framework, the client can add their own library of information requirements because there's an underlying structure. For example, as mining depth increases, no. uh, we have to put in more support. Okay. Um, I need new materials, I've got new tasks and I can simply add them into the planning and execution of
0: activities. Okay. And now that you have a structure that's embedded over there, uh, things fits into, into each boxes uh, There, much there is pasta. only
1: If you ask the three questions, there's only one place for right. it
0: to fit. And uh, some examples on analytics,
1: maybe? Uh, predictive maintenance is popular and quite practical these days. Um, we have the ability for continuous data collection about roadway conditions, for example. They can be critical component, but we don't routinely measure them. So the information framework as a structured way to handle that inclusion of that information. Okay. Then, in terms of the spatial database, there's one quite spectacular example I'd like to quote, and it's something you can only do with a spatial database. Yeah. We had a an unfortunate accident on a client's mine, where an excavation, a tunnel, was, by everybody's account perfectly in order, and there was a, f- a fairly substantial fall of ground which landed on the drilling crew. It turned out there was a low angle fault in the hanging wall just beyond the reach of the roof bolts. Okay. Nobody knew it was there. When you look at it from a 3D perspective and having the geological information that is that has mapped that structured uh, low angle fault. Mm -hmm. and then you have the mining information which talks about the size and shape of the tunnel and where the hole is going to go these two elements in the spatial database are spatially aware they know how far apart they are Mm -hmm. so you can forewarn a mining crew that they are heading into deteriorating ground
0: I see okay that's a good example Mike there are other standard groupings, like the GMG um, and others, uh, What uh, uh, what's our influence uh, over those uh, standard bodies? And don't they have an information framework themselves? How do we interact with them? And what does GMG stand for?
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, GMG is the Global Mining Guidelines Group. It okay. is run under the auspices of the Canadian Institute of Mining.
0: Okay.
1: Their main claim to fame is to create a global network by... Tapping into institutes like the Southern African Institute of Mining and Metallurgy no. and the equivalent in Australia and America and so on. No. And they have made quite some good headway the last few years in creating the space where people are prepared to collaborate.
0: Okay.
1: So we have um, an, another mining colleague here, Ruth von Nevenorven, who's got some good background in the ISA 95 initiatives. So we have people just based on their own background and exposure to mining, who can contribute at various parts of the GMG initiatives. Mm-hmm. The GMG itself doesn't have a standard model of the mining business, so I have liaised with them on the use of the e model. Mm-hmm. Uh, their landscape keeps changing, though, with the sets of work groups. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't adopted the model formally, although the people who run the GMG are fully aware of its existence and do reference it in their discussions. Okay. Uh, but remember, it is a volunteer organization, so it, it only makes progress when enough like-minded people get together. Okay.
0: So what is MINE-RP doing with the standards bodies like the GMG?
1: Well, ever since the SIMM joined into the GMG network, uh, MINE-RP has been involved in the South African workshops, and we've made submissions and contributions to various guidelines. Uh, more recently, uh, the underground communications initiatives um, our local guys have gotten involved. Uh, we've had workshops with the Canadian guys, and next week there's one coming up in Santiago, Chile.
0: Mike, we are heading to the end. How does a client start with an information framework?
1: I think first you need to acknowledge that over many, many years you have built a mess, and you just have to go look in, look properly and you'll see it. it. It won't. It's not difficult to find. Yeah, and you are building it now quicker than you've ever done. <laughs> So by engaging with MineRP, we're happy to explain the logic and demonstrate the use of the framework in the context of your current reporting. Okay. Uh, it's a standard feature now of MineRP implementations, even if most people are totally unaware it's there. You really only need one or two people to handle the logic.
0: But we are asking the information management practitioners of the clients not to get frightened off with things and events, etc. Um, we'll show them how it maps back to their language as well.
1: We can map it back to the IM-type language, but uh, more importantly, it does need people who understand the mining context.
0: So uh, this framework really helps miners to engage uh, and not be frightened off with all the IT speak.
1: Quite right. right. Yep. We express it in mining terms, and the, it helps, again, to cross those silos between the IT silos and the mining. Domain.
0: Right. In summary then, Mike, what are the benefits and the value of the information framework?
1: Okay. Firstly, what we found is that there are a finite number of things which effectively can generate an infinite number of reports. Okay. Uh, Industry 4.0 and MineRP's approach to MineRP 4.0 uh, acknowledges that the future is going to run on data and automated. So yep. if people are confused now, the machines are going to make it more so in the future. <laughs> and sooner or later, it's all about the data. Yep. Uh, simplifying it has enabled us to drive efficiencies and put effectiveness back into some management and control of the mining game.
0: So the benefits and value really is around the efficiency and effectiveness and the fact that you're able to be much more nimbler moving forward as data is moving faster. We, we,
1: are, we have an information framework which will keep a pace with the ever-improving ability to make a mess.
0: Mike we are forever in your debt For creating all of this and for having been part of the Standards Bodies for for such a long time. And I think for many years forward, we'll be reaping the rewards of this. Thank you very much. So, um, you know how this podcast works.
1: What are you currently reading? Uh, I've just finished reading a biography called The First Man. It's about Neil Armstrong. I was in Matric when the moon landing took place. And I particularly enjoyed the detail Of that journey uh, from earth into orbit orbit around the moon (laughs) and a detailed blow-by-blow description of getting there and back and lessons for mining Uh, don't give up (laughs) Uh, it's messy but it can be managed excellent thank you very much mike Uh, we hope to have you soon again thank you very much